You're listening to the micro version of the Savage Lovecast, www.savagelovecast.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual The Choicer Challenge has gotten me in trouble a couple of times. The Choicer Challenge, of course, is when a right-wing Republican politician says that being gay is a choice. I challenge them to prove that being gay is a choice by choosing it themselves. Uh, I did this to Herman Cain. I've done it to Mike Huckabee. And to the consternation uh, of a lot of right-wing Republicans, I recently did it to Ben Carson, the neurosurgeon who said that being gay is a choice and it's a choice that we make in prison. And so I challenged him to prove it. There's a f- switch you can flip in your brain that turns you gay uh, and there isn't. You can win the argument by flipping that switch, sucking my dick. I'll videotape it. We'll put it online. You win the argument. You chose it yourself to demonstrate how it's a choice. Uh, tragically, this weekend, Marco Rubio, who is conceivably the only Republican seeking the nomination – who I might like to have suck my dick, who I could kind of picture sucking my dick because he's the young and attractive and fresh and new middle-aged man running for the presidency, said on the television that being gay is not a choice. So Marco Rubio, I will not have to issue the choice or challenge to him. Of course, he doesn't believe that gay people are entitled to civil rights protections. He doesn't think we should be able to get married. But we didn't choose this. It chose us. So – Marco Rubio, no choice or challenge for you. Thank you for acknowledging that being gay is not a choice. It would be nice to see you let go of yesterday's ideas about being gay, that we should be thrown out of the military, we should be discriminated against in housing and public accommodation and marriage uh, and get with the you know equal 14th Amendment applies to the queers to modern tomorrow thing. But at least you don't think it's a choice. And speaking of gay marriage, which is an issue that is plaguing and dividing Republicans, which is nice to see because it used to be an issue that divided Democrats. Now they're all having to go on the record about whether or not they would go to a gay person's wedding. Uh, Scott Walker, the governor of Wisconsin, he has been to a gay person's wedding reception. His sister, who's a lesbian who got married. Marco Rubio says he you know, disapproves of the sin, but he would go to the wedding celebrating uh, commitment to that sin. He would go. Rick Santorum, tragically, will not come to your gay wedding. Santorum, however, will make an appearance at your gay honeymoon if you do it wrong. Ted Cruz, he won't come to your gay wedding either. They're all having to go on the record about whether or not they would come to a gay wedding. Uh, And in the midst of this, the Heritage Foundation is talking up an amicus brief. Uh, Same-sex marriage is coming before the Supreme Court again. And amicus briefs are just busybody Papers that people who don't have a dog in the fight and aren't really a part of the argument and aren't going to be in court, they they file these friend of the court briefs with the Supreme Court saying, hey, here's where we are on this issue. Just so you know, they want to like give their two cents and the right wingers gave their two cents this weekend and it's a little crazy. It's a new variation on these straight people are terrible argument against marriage equality. They've made this argument a, a few times. They've argued that straight people will stop getting married if gay people can get married. They've argued that marriage must be reserved for straight people because only straight people can get pregnant by accident and without the special inducements of marriage, the big party, the special cake, the shiny ring, the honeymoon, straight people won't take care of all those babies they're having by accident. That you need this very special prize just for you straight people to get you straight people to hang out with each other and take care of the shitty kids you're accidentally making together. 
These are literally – I'm not paraphrasing. These are the arguments that they're making and they came up with a new one that really tops all of these this weekend. These conservative groups, these scholars, these professors at Christian colleges are now arguing that if we let gay people get married, straight people will abort all their babies. Not making it up. Quoting from an article sent out by the Heritage Foundation, the right-wing think tank, in a nutshell, a reduction in the opposite sex marriage rate means an increase in the percentage of women who are unmarried and who, according to all available data, have much higher abortion rates than married women. I'm not sure that there's a link there that lesbians, if they get opposite sex married, are less likely to have abortions. If there's some decline in the marriage rate among heterosexuals and this is leading to a a higher abortion rate amongst all those single women, maybe that has nothing to do with whether gay people and lesbians can get married. Maybe these are two separate things. Maybe this is some shit that straight people need to work on. And it has nothing to do with us, but here's the Heritage Foundation trying to link them and trying to make the argument that if we let gay people get married, then you people, you straight people, you're going to abort all the babies. These are the arguments against gay marriage. These are what they're left with. This desperate sort of clinging to straws. And it all amounts to, you know, straight people suck. Unless gay people are getting beat up in the streets and not allowed to marry and discriminate against, straight people aren't going to get married. Unless gay people aren't allowed to get married, straight people aren't going to take care of their kids. And and if gay people are allowed to marry, then straight people will kill all the babies. Because straight people suck. Straight people are terrible. Makes you wonder why we ever let straight people get married in the first place. Well, the Heritage Foundation makes you wonder that. Those of us who actually know and like straight people... We know that these arguments are bullshit, that straight people aren't these monsters, these idiots. Straight people aren't terrible. If you really had nothing to go on except the religious rights remaining arguments against same-sex marriage, you would just think straight people were the worst people ever. But I know too many straight people, including Nancy Hartunian, producer of the Savage Lovecast, to believe that. And I don't think the Supreme Court is going to believe it either. Okay, coming up today on the Magnum Savage Lovecast, me and Cheryl Strayed in a live before a giant screaming, yelling audience in Portland, Oregon, clash of the advice titans showdown battle. You're going to want to hear that. If you're not already a subscriber to the Magnum, you can go to savagelovecast.com, spend five bucks, subscribe for a month and give the Magnum a try. Calls, questions, experts, all of it coming up today on the show after this. This episode of the Savage Lovecast is brought to you by Harry's. For guys like you who want a great shave experience for a fraction of what you're paying now, go to harrys.com and get five bucks off your first purchase by entering the code DAN when you check out. The Savage Lovecast is sponsored by Smart Mouth Activated Mouthwash. Smart Mouth blocks bad breath for 12 hours. Get Smart Mouth at your local drugstore and keep your breath fresh. This episode of the Lovecast is brought to you by Stamps.com. Buy and print official U.S. postage using your own computer and your own printer. For a special offer, which includes a digital scale and up to 55 bucks worth of free postage, go to stamps.com and enter SAVAGE. Hi, Dan. So I've been thinking a lot about the past, and I've realized that there's a particular event that I would really like to get your take on. Uh, During my last relationship, I decided it would be sexy to tell my boyfriend about a previous crazy night I'd had in college. Uh, We agreed that we both enjoyed swapping stories like this, though in retrospect, I don't think that was genuine on his part. 
during this crazy night, I slept with two good friends. Uh, they were good friends with each other. They were just acquaintances with me. So I ended up sleeping with them consecutively uh, without letting the second one know that I had been with his friend less than 20 minutes earlier. <laughs> uh, it was not planned, and I used the condom with both. After this story, my boyfriend said he was disgusted with my past behavior. Uh, so I took this as a sign of sex negativity and shaming. Both guys had made advances towards me in front of each other, and neither had done so under the premise that there'd be any relationship in the future. Also, later, I found out that the second guy had actually heard me with the first, and he thought it'd be hot, um, and that there were no hard, well, uh, <laughs> sad feelings. So was I lucky they weren't upset? Was my behavior disgusting? Is there an argument for being polite and not pitting friends against each other? Is it necessary to disclose that you just slept with someone's friend, even if everyone involved is admittedly just looking for sex? Is it necessary to disclose? That's the question. I'm a fan of disclosure. I think people should always err on the side of disclosing. And had you disclosed, knowing what you know now, Mr. Number Two would have been totally happy about going second. He, you found out later that he'd heard you fucking Mr. Number One. Uh, and when you showed up in his room or wherever he was when you went and found him and fucked him, he was only too delighted and thought he was hot. So if you had gone to Mr. Number Two and said, I just fucked your friend and now I'm going to fuck you, it sounds like he would have been like psyched, totally happy, up for it. Right? We know he was happy and up for it. He went ahead and did it. So there would have been no harm in disclosing and you wouldn't have cost yourself this kind of awesome young person daring crazy sexual experience for having disclosed and then having disclosed would have prevented your sex negative judgy game playing, draw you out and then slam you and judge you and shame you ex for good reasons boyfriend. You would have denied him that stick to beat you with. You know, he picked up the stick of – these guys weren't both fully informed, therefore perhaps not fully consenting, blah, 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 you're a bad person. When what he actually meant was, oh my God, you slept with two guys at once and just he shifted to totally fucking slut-shaming you. If a guy had slept with two girls who were friends consecutively, whether it was minutes apart, 20 minutes apart, a day apart, two weeks apart, most guys, probably even your ex-boyfriend would be like, oh, you're such a stud, but you did it. And you're a girl and that's not okay and it probably wasn't the kind of sexual adventures that he wanted to hear about from you because of who he thinks women are or should be or who he thinks the kind of girls he dates must be. So yeah, you didn't do anything wrong. Sounds like a great killer, fun, sexy, crazy night. You used condoms with both of them. You weren't misleading anybody. The sex was already on the table as a casual thing. You had casual sex with both of these guys just without – I don't know. What's the Queensberry rules about how much time has to elapse between fucking one guy and then fucking his friends? 20 minutes isn't enough is two days, 20 hours, 20 weeks. What would it have been? I don't think you could come up with a number that works for your boyfriend, your ex-boyfriend because the problem wasn't what you did. It was that you did it because the problem wasn't the timing or the non-disclosing. The problem was the doing. And you want a guy who loves the sexually adventurous girl that you are who did something kind of sexy and naughty and awesome and made two guys night. You want that kind of guy, not this sex-shamey, lying, manipulative, 
jerky guy that you're rid of. Congratulations. Hi, Dan. Um, I'm a 25-year-old bisexual female, and I'm in a friends with benefits relationship that's going really well. Uh, the guy's a great listener. He's wicked smart. He has a truly magnificent dick. Um, there is a problem, though. Out of the handful of times that we've fucked, I've only had one orgasm. This worries him. He's always asking me how he can get me off to so that we're working on it. But I recently came to the realization that the reason I'm not coming may be because I'm not particularly attracted to his body. My type has always been men and women who may have a couple of extra pounds or are very muscular. Um, my friend with benefits, however, is super thin, um, almost skeletal, and it's a huge turnoff. There's just no, I want to rip your clothes off kind of feeling. Um, so I guess I have two questions. One, do I keep trying with this relationship because everything else is really great and hope that I learn to love his body? Or do I call it off? I will only be living in the area for another three months or so, so it's not like we have a lot of time left. And my second question is, if I do call it off, well, what do I tell him? I don't want to body shame him, so I'd never feel comfortable telling him that he's just too skinny for me because that would be really hurtful. But I also don't want to keep him in the dark. And I'm a terrible liar. So um, I hope you can help. Thanks a lot, Dan. So you've had sex a handful of times with your fuck buddy and you've only come once. Uh-huh. And you're 23 years old and you're bi. I'm 25, actually. I remembered I got off the phone. I was like, I told him I was 23, but I'm actually 25. Oh, my God. Rounding down already. Well, that's your lady. I don't lady. know how that happened. <laughs> that's your ride as a lady. Okay. Those, that one Whatever. time that you came, were you doing something different? No, we actually had just gotten high, so that's probably why. Okay. And so it was a little bit more relaxed. Were, were you having, you know, when you, uh, when you climax, is it just from intercourse mm -hmm. alone? Or are you incorporating no. vibrators, fingers? Fingers usually. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, it's never just intercourse that gets me the climax. Right. That's 75% of women intercourse doesn't do that for 75% mm -hmm. of women cannot climax from intercourse alone. It bears repeating. I don't think it can be put out there into the world enough. All you guys out there listening to the sound of my voice, three out of four women cannot come just because you put your magic dick in their magic pussy. You got to do more. <laughs> now you do more, you play with yourself and, and just the sight of his like skeletal body is such a turnoff that as you play with yourself, you cannot become aroused enough to climax. Some, it's yeah. Sometimes. Shut your eyes. And it's like, oh, I know. I've tried that. And I don't know. I think that it, like, I don't know. He's so, um, like, he likes to narrate. And he's very, like, in the moment. Like, hey, do you like this? Hey, let's move this. And so it's like, we're very, we communicate a lot. But that means that I can't, like, kind of remove myself from that, from, like, the visual aspect. Right. Well, you could, so, you could tell him to shut up. You could say, I mean, yeah, the narration doesn't work for me. He, right here, right here yeah. now in the moment, I want you to shut up. You could say that. I mean, if you want to keep I fucking him, that. you don't have to keep fucking him. Yeah. You just say you like him and he's attentive and he's nice and he's kind. And it's a friends with benefit relationship and he's treating you better than a whole lot of people in FWB arrangements treat right. each other. He's not treating you like you're a, you know, the dirty t shirt under the bed that he mops up with. He's treating you like a person that he has a relationship with, a friends with benefit relationship with. Yep. He's very good to me. That's that's why I want to keep this going. Okay, well then to keep it going, you might have to make some tweaks, like always being high, like telling him to shut the fuck up so you can picture the guy you wish you were with. 
right? You are using each other as masturbatory aids. If you, you know, it's a yeah. friends with benefit relationship. On some level, you're an object, and so is he in the moment. You are the mm-hmm. human flashlight. He is the magnificent <laughs> dick that you get to use instead of a sex toy. And you're meeting each other there, and everything's above board and honest and and friendly, and you're communicating. But you are meeting yourself on this plane of like. We're here as physical objects to meet each other's needs and to be good and decent and kind to each other. But mm-hmm. because of either circumstance or some other thing, you're not each other's ideal partners and you're not moving toward a relationship, right? Right, so, right. So it's okay to objectify him. It's okay to like use him for his dick so long as you treat him like a human being who has feelings and you're considerate. Okay. And for him to do the same to you. But if you can't catch that vibe that you need to get off in the sex – if he's using toothpicks to prop your eyelids open the entire time or running his mouth at such a clip that you can't close your eyes and think of the rock, whoever it is you think mm-hmm. of when you masturbate, <laughs> you got to like over up and tell him to tell him that the narration doesn't work for you. And you want to have some sex okay. with eyes closed and silence and just feeling and movement and body. Yeah. Well, and that's also a problem is because he's very bony. Um, and so, you know, like sometimes like his hip bones will like, I don't know, like, well, like, I don't know, grind into me in like, an uncomfortable way. Like, usually we move, but it's it's hard to avoid how bony he is. Well, this is a case for he's not allowed to come over until he's eaten a deep dish pizza every single time. Yeah, he's yeah. got to come over. I want to tell him. <laughs> but, you, you know, I don't think that would be I want to tell him, like, please eat more junk food, but I can't, obviously. <laughs> there are girls out there who like the skinny boys. I'm one of those girls who mm-hmm. likes the skinny boys. So maybe you're not the yeah. right fuck buddy for him. And now, now let's game out. Right. You do decide you want to end it. You don't go to him and say, your body repulses me. I find your body so <laughs> repulsive, I cannot climax. Let's, like, apply the golden rule. Jesus just walked into the room. We're going to apply the golden rule. Is that how you would uh-huh. want to be treated yourself? Would you want that no, done unto not. you? You know, you're wondering why no. I'm not coming. It's because look at you. That's why I'm not coming. No one wants to hear that. So you don't say that. Right. Okay. You tell the white lie and it doesn't matter if you're a bad liar when you tell the white lie. Everybody is. You say, I just feel like we're not clicking. It's me. It's not you. You're wonderful. Let's like go back to being really great friends and find other fuck buddies. Because the, yeah. the, the sex, it was awesome, but I think, I think we're done. I think we're done with that part of our connection and our relationship. It cemented our bond, but I, I think I'm done. I think we're done with the sex. But let's be good to absolutely. each other. But you know, you, absolutely. Yeah. You know, in answer to your question, you don't go to him and say, look at you. What a fucking turn off. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen your body? Oh, my God. I'm surprised I could get wet at all. You, you wouldn't want him <laughs> yeah. to say, you know, if he wanted to end it, well, look at you. It's a miracle my dick ever got hard. Would you want to hear that? Oh, no. Okay. Well, then you don't say that. Okay. I won't. <laughs> you, you know, one of the things, you know, we talk about the, I call it the campsite rule, how you should treat somebody when there's like an, a large age and or experience gap where you leave them in better shape than you found them. That, okay. A lot of people, whenever I talk about that, will say that should apply in all circumstances, in all relationships. And it really should. And this is a circumstance where mm-hmm. if you told the scalding truth, you would leave him probably in worse shape than you found him. That that would right. hurt his sexual self-esteem and in ways that are that, – that, that really aren't fair or, or necessary because just because you don't like his body in the condition that it's in doesn't mean that his next girlfriend won't love his body for right. the you know, bag of bones that it is. There are people who like those skinny mm-hmm. boys. I am one of them. So you mm-hmm. don't want to – when he finds his next girlfriend who's really into his body, you don't want him 
thinking, oh, she hates my body and she's lying to me or I'm so self-conscious mm-hmm. now because of what my last girlfriend or fun fuck buddy said to me. Don't do that. Okay. I won't. But I actually do think you can continue to make this sex work. Tell him to okay. shut up, get high, close your eyes. Okay. I'll do that. Good luck. Thank you so much. We want to thank our sponsor, Smart Mouth Mouthwash. Smart Mouth chose our show to advertise on because they know that we are committed to getting our listeners laid. And getting laid usually starts with a ton of kissing. And you don't want bad breath. Fortunately, Smart Mouth Mouthwash blocks bad breath for a full 12 hours so you're ready to go whenever. And Smart Mouth can even prevent morning breath when you rinse at night just in case you're waking up next to someone. Most other mouthwashes only last an hour or so, but Smart Mouth can go all day and all night. Just mix two solutions before rinsing twice a day to activate powerful bad breath blockers. That's the secret to the longest lasting fresh breath out there. Don't get breath blocked. Get Smart Mouth and get fresh with 12 hours of fresh, clean breath. Find Smart Mouth activated mouthwash in the shiny green bottles at CVS Pharmacy or anywhere you shop or at smartmouth.com. Hi, Dan. 35-year-old lady from Texas. My husband and I have been together for about nine years, and in that time, he's gone down on me probably about a dozen times total. First half of our relationship, I would bring it up. He would do his best to mollify me, and I would go about my business. <laughs> and after six months, a year, and a half years, kind of learned to take the hint, probably not going to happen, just learning to accept that this is... Not part of our repertoire, boo-hoo. But then, out of nowhere, the last three times that we've had sex, he's gone down on me. And I I had no idea where this is coming from. Um, he overheard some ladies talking at the water cooler or, or freaking Jesus came down and whispered in his ear while he was sleeping. I don't know. I don't know, but it's awesome. And he just, he just goes for it. And there's zero timidity there which brings me to my problem. Um, my husband is gorgeous, and he has this sexy, beardy, stubby thing going on, and it just tears me up, and it leaves me raw and bleeding, and I have to blot versus wipe for the next three days, but I'm so afraid to say anything to him. I even take him to whispering around him and, and move him very slowly so I don't Caroline would ever possess him. Um, I'm feeling pretty torn about it. Of course, I asked my two best girlfriends, classic, and one of them says, tell him to shave. You have to advocate for your vagina. She can't talk for herself. And my other friend says, girl, take a brillo pad to that shit and polish it up. I think I'm a little more of that camp, but I'm ambivalent. I don't know what to do and any advice what to say to him, can I have it both ways? Can I continue to have this great oral sex and not be bloody walking like I've been riding down afterwards? Please help. P.S. Definitely has to be a closet of bigots. First, let's talk about closet of bigots. Uh, I forgot that I hadn't, you know, I brought this up on the show. I talked about it on the podcast, what to call a group of bigots. It's a pride of lions. It's a murder of crows. What is it of bigots? And people have sent in lots of great suggestions, including closet of bigots, uh, a phobe of bigots. Um, but my favorite is a pence of bigots. 
Mike Pence, governor of Indiana, of course, who ate shit on television. I thought maybe Pence should mean to go on TV and just fucking faceplant eat shit, you know, to, to Pence. That could be what that means. Just like Full Ginsburg means doing all the Sunday uh, political talk shows uh, in a single day. That, that's the Full Ginsburg from a sex scandal from a long time ago. Uh, but somebody suggested Pence of bigots and it just it just works. A Pence of bigots. And so for my money – that's what we're going with. Now, your problem, uh, your husband, who is so shy to go down on you, suddenly starts going down on you like a champ and careful what you wish for because your husband's face is so much sandpaper being applied to your lady parts. And now what do you do? You don't want to say anything. You don't want to make him feel self-conscious. You don't want to go to this man who wasn't eating your pussy often enough or at all for so long and make him feel bad about the way he's been eating your pussy. But this can't go on indefinitely. If he's going to eat your pussy constantly, you can't be walking around with a bloodied twat for the rest of your life potentially. So you are going to have to over up and say something to him. And what you say to him is, this is awesome. You say, Whatever is in the water, whatever's inspiring you to like do this thing for me, I am loving it and I love you and here's a blowjob and when I'm done with this blowjob, we will continue with this conversation and then after the blowjob, you say, there's just one little tiny thing in the afterglow with, with all the natural oxytocins floating around in his brain. You say, there's just one little thing. Your beard is kind of grinding my pussy off my body, tearing my labia to shreds. I want you to keep eating my pussy but it's going to have to be – an after-shaving activity, or you're going to have to go from stubble to beard because stubble shreds, beards don't, and just put it out there that if he wants to keep eating and you do want him to keep eating and he should keep eating, that there's just one extra little thing he's going to have to do for you. And there's so much you're going to do for him in return, plenty more blowjobs where that one came from. He just needs to start shaving. We're going to pause here for a second so I can give a shout out to our friends at harrys.com. Harry's is fixing a problem many of us have, paying too much for overpriced razors. Let's admit, shaving with a dull blade isn't fun. Sometimes we cut or scrape ourselves with dull blades and draw blood. Razors are expensive. They run about four bucks a blade, which is why some of us are using dull blades and reusing dull blades. And a guy who shaves every day can spend hundreds of dollars a year just on razors if you want sharp blades all the time. And when we go to the store to buy razors, we sometimes have to deal with those pesky locked up plexiglass cabinets. But Harry's, Harry's gives us high quality razors at about half the price of those big brand blades. They make their razors in their own factory in Germany and they're well engineered for sharpness and high performance. And Harry ships them for free to your front doorstep. And because they make and ship their own blades, Harry's is a more efficient company, which means they can give us factory direct pricing. The starter Truman set is an amazing deal. A razor handle with a great look and feel, three razor blades, and a choice of either shave cream or foaming shave gel. You get all of this for just 15 bucks. Go to harrys.com and get five bucks off your first purchase with coupon code DAN. That's H-A-R-R-Y-S dot com and enter the code DAN at checkout. Hi, Dan. I am a 17-year-old straight female living in Utah, and I recently discovered feminism and your podcast and all the great things that go along with that, and I've kind of started to own my sexuality and started to experiment with masturbation and had my forced orgasm within the last year, and that's been really fun and really exciting. But my question is that I've been so 
socialized by society to be viewed as a passive object. Like, whenever you watch TV and you see sex scenes, like, it's always just this guy doing stuff to this girl, and she just kind of lies back and enjoys it. But you never really see women reciprocating. And I, that's my problem, is that when I'm with somebody, I don't know how to reciprocate. Like, I don't know what touching is okay to do to a guy that I'm with. And I've just never seen that. And I don't really know what to do about that. I should probably just ask them, but I feel awkward about that. And I realize that that's something I need to work through. But if you had any suggestions, I would greatly appreciate it. Dear 17-year-old straight girl growing up in Utah, uh, I am your gay Uncle Dan, and I have some advice for you uh, that you probably wouldn't get down at the temple or from your parents. Watch gay porn. It is possible to touch men, to do things to men. And if they're not showing that in the straight porn or the straight erotica or the movies, you don't have to watch gay porn. You can just watch gay movies where there are sex scenes like sex scenes in straight non-porn movies. You will see guys being touched. You will see how you can throw a guy around, how you can touch a guy, how you can chew on his nipples, how you can lick his armpits, how you can finger his hole, how you can move him around in positions that work for you and then fuck yourself on his dick. You will see guys taking their pleasure from other guys and you can project yourself into that circumstance. You can white out one of the guys in your imagination and be the girl in the film. And you can also then, so as not to traumatize the teenage boys in Utah that you might be sleeping with, instead of just busting out those gay porn moves that you've been observing at Pornhub or Xtube or wherever you go to watch, uh, you can ask them how they like to be touched. You can tell them you would like to do this, that, or the other. You can begin to touch them in ways and ask them if it's okay, just as you would like to be asked, as you would like to be solicited, particularly at your age where – all these moves and all these experiences are going to be new and different and you're going to want to be with guys who are solicitous of your consent, of your ongoing active enthusiastic consent. You want to be with a guy who asks you when he's about to do something or has started doing something, if this is good for you, if this works for you. You should and can do the same. If there's a particular part of the boy you're with, a particular part of his body that you want to touch or experience or taste or manipulate – you can go for it and then ask, you know, you reading their body language, making sure that, you know, if they freeze up or they get tense, you should stop and move on to something else or ask if that was uncomfortable for them or didn't work for them and why. Just as, you know, here we are back at the golden fucking rule, right? Very Jesus-y show we're having here today. Just as you would like to be asked yourself if something is making you tense. You want the guys you were to be paying attention to how – the moves they're busting out on you are being received by you. And you should do the same in return for the guys that you're with. But I would encourage you to disinhibit around going for what you want. You are there together to share and take pleasure from each other. Take your pleasure. Being careful at every step of the way to ascertain, to establish that the way in which you're taking pleasure from them is pleasurable for them as well. And to do that, you just need to use your eyes, pay attention to all their physical cues, and use your words. Ask, ask, ask. Talk, talk, talk. Have fun. And watch tons of gay porn and you will see lots that you can do with a dude's body. And in addition to watching all that awesome gay porn to give you all those awesome ideas, I also want you to go to Planned Parenthood's website and read about 
birth control. Also read about consent. I want you to go to Scarlet Teen. It's a terrific website with tons of great sex ed info that covers everything. The whole spectrum, gender spectrum, the sexual orientation spectrum, the kink and vanilla spectrum, all of it. Tons of great info. While you are now on this 17-year-old and just finding out about sex uh, sort of ravenous uh, stage of life, be sure you're taking in not just the pornography, not just what you're seeing in movies and film, but also the good information that you need to uh, sustain your sexual health and the sexual health and emotional health of yourself and your partners. Planned Parenthood, Scarletine, great resources for that. When you think about the best time to go to the post office, you're probably guessing before work, after work, or during lunch. Wrong. That's when it's most crowded. Everyone goes at those times. The truth is there's no convenient time to go to the post office. That's why you need stamps.com. With stamps.com, you can access all the services of the post office right from your desk. Buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter or package using your computer and your printer. Then just hand it off to your mail carrier. And unlike the post office, stamps.com is open 24-7 with no lines, so you can get your mailing and shipping done whenever it's convenient for you. Right now, use my name, Savage, for this special offer, a no-risk trial plus $110 bonus offer. This includes a digital scale and up to $55 worth of free postage. Don't wait. Go to stamps.com, and before you do anything else, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in Savage. That's stamps.com. Click the mic. Enter Savage. Hi, Dan. I'm a woman in my 30s, and I'm calling to ask some advice on how to deal with some information recently given to me by my 14-year-old niece. A little bit of background. My family is pretty open, really close. Like I said, my niece is 14. She lives with my parents. Her parents are in and out of the picture. We're very sex-positive, open kind of family, although we don't go into a ton of details. My Parents know that, you know, I mostly date guys, but I sometimes like girls and that I usually have more than one person that I'm dating at a time. And they're pretty okay with that. My niece a few years ago went through a little bit of a gender identity crisis and wanted to only dress as a boy and wanted to cut her hair totally off and wore fake mustaches, which we were completely fine with. She eventually started you know, wanting to dress more feminine again. And we just kind of figured, you know, let her do what she wants. She's kind of awesome. Uh, she's like the coolest kid in the world. And I love that she will talk to me about stuff. Um, but a couple of weeks ago, she let me know um, that well, she does a lot of like internet uh, gaming, stuff like that. She's also real into anime and stuff like that. Uh, but she let me know, which she hasn't let anyone else know, that she has been drawing kind of racy, kind of furry porn type stuff for people on the internet. Not only drawing, like drawing it on tablets, sending it digitally, but the damn kid also set up a Gmail account that links to a PayPal so she can get money for drawing these things, which she then cashes out an online gift card since she's 14 and doesn't have a bank account. I love that she can tell me these things trying not to be super judgmental of her, more just concerned about her getting hurt in this process. I had her show me her profile that she uses for this, and it lists her as being, you know, 19. There's no pictures of her. It's all just, like, anime-type drawings of girls wearing cat ears. I don't want to be judgmental, but I want to be the good aunt in the situation 
and uh, just make sure that she's safe. So any advice you have in what I can do to be supportive, but make sure that she knows that she can come to me if she feels unsafe. I don't know. I'm just a little bit torn in how to proceed with this information. So your 14-year-old niece is basically running kind of a lemonade stand, but an anime kink porn version of a lemonade stand. She's found a way to monetize this thing that she's good at, this hobby. And you looked at the website and there are no pictures of her. There's no contact information. Uh, I don't see that there's a lot to be concerned about here. She sounds pretty savvy and she sounds pretty smart. And I think you should err on the side of driving it home that she never put contact information out there that she don't and that she's aware she's kind of, and this is obviously what's squicking you out about this. She has this little lemonade stand going where she's selling lemonade to perverts and perverts as the furry perverts like to call themselves. I'm pro pervert here. I'm not using pervert in the perv shaming sense, but as you talk to your niece about your only concern here, which is she's opened a lemonade stand for furry perverts and she is interacting then with perverts is that not all perverts out there are good people, right? You don't want to perv shame her about who she's interacting with because it sounds like she's a bit of a pervert herself, right? So if you perv shame her clients, if you say all these people who are buying these drawings or interested in these drawings are creepy, sex-obsessed weirdos, you're perv shaming her. And the ability she has now to communicate with you openly about this stuff, that will stop if you make her feel judged and shamed, right? So when you talk to her about her clientele, be sure that you're making a distinction between the most of them who are probably very decent and kind people who just really like her drawings and, are, and want to buy them from her, decent and kind and loving ferverts, and the occasional pervert fervert out there in the world who is a shitbag. And there's shitbags in every community, and we all have to be on our guard for the shitbags, whether we're at a frat party on a college campus, whether we're in a gay bar in Milwaukee, whether we're selling drawings, erotic anime-style drawings of furries to strangers on the internet. Right? They have this PayPal account. It's all anonymous. They can't find her. And she needs to know that if anyone out there asks about her, asks for her contact info, wants to Skype with her, talk with her, that she should shut that down. That she shouldn't do that. She's too young. And you don't want to see her exploited. And the kind of person who would ask her for that probably doesn't have her best interest at heart. So she just needs to be wary of the guys who might want to leverage their professional relationship with her into some sort of contact with her online contact or in real life contact. She's too young for either or both. So just emphasize that to her and ask her to keep sharing this with you. Ask her to keep this, these lines of communication open with you because if she does get a request from someone that she's tempted by or squicked out by, that she can come to you with it and share it with you and you can help her make the best possible decision in that circumstance. But she sounds pretty savvy. Any 14-year-old girl who can leverage her drawings into gift cards. That's industriousness right there. That is, that's the entrepreneurial spirit. And I think that it should be encouraged, not squelched. Don't tell her parents about it. 
Hey, Dan. I'm 32 and a gay Asian guy, and for most of my life, I've always considered myself uh, decent-looking. Not too bad, but decent. And recently, though, through heavy workouts and being forced to do a diet realignment due to emergency gallbladder surgery, I've redistributed my weight, and now I've been told that I've become a very good-looking guy. And it's great, and my sex life has definitely improved because of it. And I'm not looking for a relationship right now. I just want to have the fun. Um, but I guess I get, I have an etiquette question when it comes to online hookups. I've taken these um, new body pics and uploaded them to the various websites. And from when I log on to them, it's about four to five minutes before I would get an email message or a smile or a flirt or a wink or whatever. Um, my problem is that there's a lot of people interested in me that I'm interested in. I've always had a wide array of tastes and preferences, and I think it stem from the uh, beggars can be chooser mentality I've operated under for a kind of long time. And now when I get these messages and reply, I'm inevitably I'm running my own little private online dating reality show. And at the end, I have to pick just one person to play with. I'm not really big into three-way or group scenes, so um, I mostly just one-on-one. I don't want to just fade away on these other guys that I that didn't make, I guess, didn't, um, didn't pick. And I don't want to reject the other guy. I don't want to reject them either. I'm really interested in them and I want to play with them at a later time, just right now. Yeah, I'm going to have to cut you off. You are way overthinking this. Remember, the online world, online flirting, people sending you a quick sup or a message, it doesn't create an obligation for you. It's like you know, that online world is the new gay bar and the new straight pickup joints. The new gay bar and that sup or that initial message, it's just basically the equivalent of eye contact, the way people in a bar when they would see you and maybe want to get to know you or meet you or flirt with you would make an effort to conspicuously make an effort to catch your eye, to make that initial bit of eye contact. You were not obligated because somebody made eye contact with you in a bar to walk up to them and say, hey, thank you for the eye contact. I'm totally not interested. You're not my type. I'm not looking for a relationship right now. People would think you're crazy if you did that. If you let everybody in a gay bar who made eye contact with you that you weren't interested, if you went over them and let them down easy, you would look like an insane asshole. So all of those messages that you get from people that you're not necessarily interested in, just regard them as the eye contact in the bar from the guy or guys that you're not particularly interested in meeting or having a drink with or sucking the dick of. And you can just disregard them. Hi, Dan. I actually have a question about a friend of mine. Uh, she's one of my best friends, and she has a brand-new boyfriend. And for the first time, she's actually in a relationship where she can explore her kinky side. She's a dom, and he is learning. And so my question is about, we were out at a bar last night, and everyone was drinking and having a good time, and they were physically hitting each other. So she would hit him up on the backside of the head. He would give her a quick, quick a light slap to the face. She would run her fingernails down his arm. And most of the people who were with us were uncomfortable with this simply because they just saw that as they were physically violent toward each other, even though it wasn't, it was a really minor kind of contact. But for me, knowing that they're kinky and they're into dom subplay, to me, I saw it as foreplay in public. Now, if I had two friends who were like making out hardcore in a bar, I would kind of, when they came up to take a breath, I would kind of tell them to cool it or to leave. So would that be the same situation as this? Like, I don't want to be kink-shaming or anything, and I know she's very excited to be in this kinky relationship now, but if we start doing this again, is it too much for me? Is it me crossing a line to tell her to fucking chill her guns? 
If a couple of vanilla people were making out and drinking each other's spit by the gallon in a bar in front of you, and that would prompt you to look at them and in a sex-positive, upbeat, affirming way say, looks like it's time for you two to get a room, which is also a way of telling them to knock it off or you know, also putting there on the table that maybe you're feeling a little uncomfortable or cut out of the conversation or the company. I don't see why if they're hitting and scratching each other and slapping each other, you couldn't say the same thing. Hey, you two, get a room. I would throw that out there. If I, I don't think it's kink shaming. In a way, it's kink affirming because if this is how they do PDA, if this is how they do foreplay and you would say get a room to anybody else, you're just then classing their making out or their foreplay or their scratchy bitey shit. You're classing it together, lumping it together with two vanilla people playing tongue hockey in front of you. So in a way, even though you're telling him to knock it off, it is kink affirming because you are recognizing their sex play as legitimate sex play and as foreplay slash PDA that you and others probably don't want to watch any more than most of us want to watch hardcore PDA. Hey, Dan, just listening to episode 422 and just an extension of the thinking that you were doing for the guy with the uh, thought question, what if the whole world turned gay, where would the babies come from? I loved your answer. The other thing that, that came to my mind was that if only gay people were having children, because it is so much harder for us to have one. I have a two-year-old uh, made by IUI myself. It is so much more thoughtful, right, when we have our children, that therefore there would no longer be unwanted children, there would no longer be a need for abortion, there would be far fewer crimes committed because all the unwanted children would not be in existence to become criminals. Um, and I think everybody would be happier. So really, let's all be gay. Um, responding to the guy who uh, gave this uh, sort of tired argument about uh, what if everyone turned gay, the whole world would collapse. It's uh, You can make the same argument for anything. If uh, everyone did one thing, then the whole world would collapse. If everyone decided to be an actor, then no roads would be built. No hospitals would be staffed with doctors. Society would collapse. Therefore, going to see movies is evil. It's the same sort of uh, inanity. Hi, Dan. I'm calling about this uh, strange dude that called in about an alternative universe in which straight people disappear from the earth and his fears about the fate of humanity based on this fantasy. Uh, I liked your answer to his question, but I don't think you carried the Sarah scenario out quite far enough. Um, I agree completely that uh, gay people would continue to have babies, produce babies through modern scientific methods, as you described. Uh, what you didn't mention is that the vast majority of those babies being produced and raised by gay people, gay parents, the majority of them would end up growing up into being straight adults and would continue to reproduce and have even more straight babies that grow into straight adults. So this has always been the case throughout human history. So the uh, dickhead that called in need not fear. And I have to wonder, since he mentioned that he's uh, told this scenario to many, many people, I wonder if it's something that he would really like to see happen, to see an all-gay world. It seems to be a fantasy of his. And we're going to leave it there. 206-201-2720 is the number here at the Savage Lovecast. If you want to record a question or comment for a future show, give us a buzz. 206 201 
2.0. Looking at the Twitter, Gary Wood at GR Wood tweets, I love delivering the mail to the LDS place while listening to the Savage Lovecast. Thank you, Gary. Thank you for delivering the mail and thank you for listening to the Savage Lovecast and give my regards to the Latter-day Saints. It's been a while since we've done one of these, but we're planning on doing another One Minute Wonder show. That's where we ask all of you out there with questions that can be asked in 60 seconds or less to call in and record your short questions. And I will do a show where I try to answer all those 60 seconds or less questions in 120 seconds or less. I get two minutes to answer your one minute questions. It's only fair. And we tear through as many questions and answers as we possibly can during a regular show. So give us a buzz, 206-201-2720 with your one minute wonder questions. Look forward to that one minute wonder show. Follow me on Twitter at FakeDanSavage. Follow Cheryl Strade on Twitter at Cheryl Strade. The Savage Lovecast is produced every week by Nancy Hartunian and me and the tech-savvy at-risk youth and Nancy. We will all be back at you next week with another installment of The Savage Lovecast. Thanks for downloading.